Genre. This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome to Theme Park This, the only podcast that dares ask the question, can snacks be served exclusively out of trash cans instead of food carts? My name is Scott Corelli, and with me I have Kyle Crane. Hello. And Brian Green. Hello there. Today we are tackling uh, probably the the most, um, I don't know, different from uh, the ones that we've we've done so far, the themes that we've done so far. Uh, we haven't done a video game yet, and despite the fact that Brian had never played it before. <laughs> if you've never played the Bioshock games, hopefully we're going to be able to talk about this in such a way that you'll still enjoy this episode. Um, and then hopefully if you have played Bioshock, you're going to get a lot out of this episode. But uh, we'll see how it goes. First off, I just want to gauge everyone's uh, opinion of this franchise. And we'll start with you, Kyle, because I sort of already gave away... Um, at least the start of Brian's uh, <laughs> journey with this franchise. Um, but, but Kyle, uh, how do you feel about the Bioshock franchise? I like Bioshock quite a bit. I don't think I'm in love with it quite as much as there seem to be some fans of this uh, series, this real, real uh, strong fan base. Um, I don't think I'm quite to that level, mm-hmm. but I like it quite a bit. I played both games with the first uh, like day of launch, got both of them, played through to finish, really, really enjoyed my time with it. However, um, Bioshock was cool. Bioshock Infinite blew me away, and it mm-hmm. still does in retrospect when I think about it. It's probably maybe in my top ten shooters I've ever played. There's so much going on in that game thematically, and it does a great job of tying back into the first one. So, yeah, I'm a fan of the series. Wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but uh, I think that it's there's a lot of stuff to be mined from this series. Yeah. Did you play Burial at Sea, Kyle? I did not play Burial at Sea, and I did not play Minerva's Den. So. Okay, Minerva's Den uh, and Clash in the Clouds are both like just multiplayer experiences. Mm-hmm. But um, Burial at Sea, if your mind was blown by Infinite, you should definitely play Burial at Sea. It's the it's a two part continuation of the franchise that sort of brings mm-hmm. the whole thing into a full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically like a return to Rapture, uh, and it's incredible. Um, gotcha. So. Definitely, definitely recommend it. It it continues the the uh, the crazy uh, trippiness of the ending of uh, Bioshock Infinite for sure. Oh, well, I'm all in for that. So, Brian, you played it for the first time, sort of. What are your what are your what are your thoughts? I guess overall. So I yeah, of course, I had not played any of the Bioshock games. To be perfectly honest, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I for a long time I got this and Fallout uh, mixed up in my head. I could see that. Uh, I, yeah. Just every time someone talks about them, when I'm like, okay, which one is this? Is this the underwater one or is this the, the yeah, I, I, I can never remember which one is which. And going into it, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this because I'm not big on shooters. I've never been big on shooters. But I've played the maybe the first three hours of the first Bioshock and three hours of Infinite. And I'm really loving the world. And I, I watched, uh, of course, I watched you know videos that like essentially 
went over went through all the major story beats so i've been spoiled on the whole thing uh, I, I i pretty much know everything that happens uh i loved love 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 infinite's opening and walking through that city and exploring this and kind of peeling away the layers and seeing what's going on here why are why did they build the city in the sky uh, it reminds me sort of of when marty goes back to 1955 and he's just walking around and soaking in everything and that's how <laughs> totally. I, that's how i felt in that moment i'm like like i just kind of like walked up to people and listened to what they had to say and i i'm digging it i'm really looking forward to playing more of it because i'm liking it a lot that's awesome. Um, yeah, I kind of had a feeling that you would enjoy it more than most shooters. Yeah. Just because of the, the world building that's happening within it. And I mean, the thing about it is, like, I played these, uh, like, that first Bioshock I played on launch day. And uh, I was working at, I was a manager at uh, GameStop at the time. Um, and so I was really looking forward to this and I didn't even really know why I just knew there was something about the aesthetic of it that I was interested in and mm. playing it for the first time. I remember back then thinking, you know, after the airplane crashes and you go into the lighthouse and then you drop in the bathosphere into rapture and that big reveal of rapture through the, the glass of the bathosphere it just instantly made me feel like I was playing a theme park ride. Like just immediately my mind was racing with all of these ideas and thoughts as far as, oh, man, they should turn this into a theme park ride. And, you know, I'm playing it for the first time. I don't know how popular this game is going to be. I just knew that I wanted it. Um, <laughs> and I just I loved the world of Rapture. Uh, I love the sort of, um, the, you know, there is a. Like Andrew Ryan, the villain of the first game, or at least the uh, the de facto villain until the real villain is revealed uh, later on in the game. That first villain of, of Andrew Ryan, you know, he is based on Walt Disney and Ayn Rand. So, like, you combine Walt Disney and Ayn Rand and you get Andrew Ryan. You know, he takes these sort of Randian ideals into this place that just instantly falls apart. You know, like... <laughs> the, Go figure. <laughs> he, bu he, built the, he built the place in the 40s, opened it in the 50s, and it was just completely ransacked and turned into, uh, you know, a nightmare dystopia by 1960. So, yeah, I like... I really like that... The creator of this series, Ken Levine, isn't afraid to look at these things, and it's like, okay, you're into Ayn Rand. Let's take a let's take a look at <laughs> Ayn Rand's ideals and try and uh, really like. It, let's say you put all of these people in a vacuum. What would happen? Right. Uh, and and this is what would happen. You know, uh, Randian ideals are a nightmare, and uh, you know that's not how the world should be. Um, and that's what he is interested in doing. And then when he did Bioshock Infinite, he was like, well, I don't want to do Randy and Ideals again. So instead, I'm going to look at American exceptionalism. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what he built Columbia out of. And I, you know, and again, he is looking at it of like, look, like, let's take, you know, religious nuts and uh, uh, America nationalist nuts and combine the two into a single religion of American exceptionalism and let's build a philosophy and a world out of that. And it's a nightmare, you know, and it just, mm -hmm. and the way that it works of like, 
oh, you've got you've got the the founding fathers as like these sort of deities, you know, George Washington and Ben Franklin and Andrew Jackson. <laughs> and you're just like you're like looking at these like deity versions and then you meet what their Lucifer is, which is yeah. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> um, and this this uh, you realize that there's some, you know, dark shit happening on Columbia. Uh, and it's the fact also that Columbia and like. Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite aren't really the same genre, I think, amazes me as well. Rapture is a horror game. Columbia is mm-hmm. not, a, or, you know, Infinite is not a horror game. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's much more of a dramatic narrative. And that boggles my mind that you could make a sequel to a game that doesn't even share the same genre with the original mm-hmm. game. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I think that what Ken Levine created with these worlds are incredible. And I even like Bioshock too. It's certainly my least favorite of the three, but I mm-hmm. still think it's a really fun game to play. And I like the, the story in it, which is sort of going into the background on the big daddies and little sisters and that whole mythology there. Um, there's rumors that they're making a fourth game, but again, Ken Levine isn't, uh, involved in any way. Cause he's, with a new company and they're creating some other new game um, that he hasn't revealed yet. They've been working on it basically since infinite came out. So 2k is like built working on a new Bioshock game, but the rumors are that it's just another return to rapture, which I'm just not interested in. Yeah. You know, I, I really love the forward world building of uh, infinite. I love that the twist in infinite builds off and expands from the twist of Bioshock, which to for me is, I think, one of the greatest twists in video game history, if not the first great twist in video game history, uh, which is really building off everything that you know about video games, which is when someone tells you to do something, you do it. That's how video games are supposed to work. And then to <laughs> learn that you doing that was part of you, your character being brainwashed is just like the craziest twist and such a great metatextual gag to... Um, video games and and uh and everything i mean it was just a mind-blowing twist at the time i remember that um but i i love this world and uh when i thought about what i wanted my next round choice to be i had other choices that i was thinking about doing but i wanted to do something really different because we had sort of been doing uh you know similar kind of family friendly fair and 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 we weren't doing anything that was um Outside of the what you would expect to see in a theme park, and so I wanted to do something that that turned that um, on its tail a little bit, and so uh, I chose Bioshock, and I I'm really excited to hear what everybody came up with um, yeah. as a uh, theme park concept for this. So how how do we want to want to break this down? I, do we want to cover this sort of the way that we did with the Disney princesses, where we talk about what our concept for the land is, and then sort of break down each individual segment sure yeah all right right, cool so let's start with brian all right uh so my entire land is going to be set in rapture uh it's going to be shortly before the civil war in 1958 Mm -hmm. uh so you're going to be walking through rapture in its heyday so like it is not in ruins it's not you know it's not completely destroyed like you see it in uh bioshock one it is going to be this beautiful space but there are still going to be you're, so, you're going to see the Atlas posters around. There's still going to be this this rising tension you can feel, you know, it, with the atmosphere going on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is so this is an indoor park correct it's gonna have, is it gonna have to all be indoors yes okay awesome cool kyle so mine is going to be columbia uh it's going to take place concurrently with the uh the storyline of bioshock infinite uh because i have a few things that kind of tie into what's going on as the story is going on in that one so outdoor park uh maybe some sort of simulated bouncing to make it feel like you're up in the air i don't know <laughs> uh but uh, it would have to have bright skies because uh, i think there's a little bit of uh layers that need to be peeled back just like in the game to kind of show the uh kind of uh, ugly stuff going on underneath the surface in columbia yeah Absolutely. Is there a uh, a particular segment of Columbia that you are looking to recreate or just sort of the general feeling of it? The general feeling of it. And then let's see, what is the name of where she lives? Uh, Monument Island, probably somewhere around there where Elizabeth lives, because I would think whenever I'm sure you guys do this, when you imagine these theme parks in your head, you always have a Cinderella's cla- castle right. to the middle of uh-huh. the big weenie. An this icon, be, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and there's a, a very specific icon in the Bioshock franchise. I didn't want to use that. So I figured the um, uh, building in the middle of Monument Island that Elizabeth actually lives in. So around that general area. Okay, that makes sense. Brian, do you have an icon in your park? I do not. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, it's indoors. Hard to have an icon indoors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, so I, I went with a, a left turn. Um, I decided, uh, beyond my better judgment, to create my own third Bioshock world. Oh. And so what I've created is, uh, it is, it is basically a theme park, um, within the world of Bioshock. And it's a theme park called Posterity Land of the Future. Huh. Okay. You know, when you look at Rapture, Right. Uh, Rapture is largely based on 1940s, like Art Deco architecture. Right. And it's the all of the technology is. And, you know, look, I I don't I don't like all of this. All all of this is like steampunk based. And so everything is something punk, something punk, which is dumb. But (laughs) I don't know how else to describe a lot of these things. So I'm just going to use it. Just roll with me. Rapture is based primarily on a style of steampunk called diesel punk which is basically like it's everything is run on gasoline and it's not run on steam the way that steampunk is but it is obviously evolved out of that that idea of of steampunk and so everything is very diesel punk and uh art deco designed everything looks like you know like a 1940s vacuum cleaner and that sort of thing all of the 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 architecture of rapture is based on the uh, architecture designer uh, Hugh Ferris. So then you have Columbia, which is largely Tesla-inspired technology with um, automatons thrown in for good measure, and uh, the design is largely neoclassical. And then you have my park, Posterity, which I want to be based on a sort of atom punk idea. So like the retro future look of the 1960s with uh, design based on things like uh, Googie, uh, Populux, Streamline Modern, Ray Gun Gothic, Doo-Wop designs of, of architecture based largely on the architecture designer of John Lautner. And the philosophy of this place is all futurism and progress, and the leader of which is a man named William Deckard. And so the idea of this park is there was a guy named William Decker, and he had this idea of building a city of tomorrow. It's very largely based on the initial concepts for Epcot. 
um, William Decker, WD. I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so so it's it's a lot of based on that, but it's the idea of you know futurism and progress and that sort of um, you know hope for the future and things like that. That's why it's called posterity. Um, posterity literally means uh, for future generations. So the idea is that this is a theme park that is based on the philosophy and ideals of this man, William Deckard. The icon of the park is uh, a lighthouse that is, you know, it has that sort of streamlined modern look and it, it all, everything in this park looks like 60s retro future. Only it's not run down like it is in, uh, in like your Fallout or what have you. Fallout is largely based on similar things, but it's all very, uh, you know, post-nuclear. So everything is uh, wrecked pretty bad. But I've always really liked that. And it felt like the best, I don't know, foot forward as far as what the next thing would be in a Bioshock series. Um, and so that's what I was interested in doing was sort of continuing the story of Bioshock rather than focusing on uh, Rapture and Columbia specifically. Uh, so there's a lighthouse icon. There's a giant model of what William Deckard perceived as the space colony posterity, um, where he was planning on, you know, building this uh, city in space where the future is now and, you know, progress would never cease and, and things like that. Uh, and the main street is basically this retro futuristic um, main street based on, like, like I said, uh, you know, googie uh, architecture. So, um, yeah. So that's my that's that's the beginning of my park. Cool. Very cool. I'm going to have to look up all these uh, architects that you described there because I don't know <laughs> none of them off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you kind of get the feeling it's 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 a form of architecture that was birthed out of um, Southern California. Uh, yeah. especially like the Palm Springs area. Um, so you kind of get the idea of what it looks like. It's like, uh, the Incredibles, the Incredibles is good right. architecture. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So let's talk about restaurants. All right. My restaurant is going to be the Kashmir restaurants, uh, which was the setting for the, uh, the initial battle between Atlas and Ryan. Okay. So it's going to be a high end restaurant. It's going to specialize in seafood. It's going to be, uh, imagine a Having a restaurant inside of the Star Destroyer room of Rise of the Resistance. So you have a giant window that is going to look mm. out into the ocean. Nice. Okay. Uh, with a virtual ocean. They're going to have specialty cocktails that are going to be themed after plasmids. <laughs> We're going to be hearing rumors that it's uh, it's it might be New Year's Eve on the day that you're there. Oh, <laughs> nice. More to come. <laughs> that's a nice uh, that's a nice hint. Yeah, sure. Kyle. Yeah, so um, I was trying to think if there's any food referenced in Bioshock Infinite. The only thing I could, it, for some reason in my mind, I get this picture of Elizabeth eating a hot dog, and I searched the internet, and I could not find that anywhere. So I wanted to make it like a hot dog place that kind of, I felt, was kind of the quintessential American food. You know, then Americana yeah. plays into that game. But I threw that out the window and just went with a bunch of puns instead. So I've got uh, Comstock's Super, excuse me, Comstock Soup Stock Kitchen, uh, which would be serving so Songbird chicken noodle soup booker de whipped carrot souffle <laughs> vox popcorn balls uh handy manwich sandwiches and uh lettuce twin wraps uh so yeah that one I, believe me i put more effort into my two other parts of this park but <laughs> <laughs> that one i was kind of like you know um i was like with with the themes that are going on 
in that game, it would feel very weird to sit down with your family for like a dinner in like, you know, a, a place like Colombia where somebody's asking, hey, isn't this the prettiest white girl you've ever seen in Colombia? <laughs> so uh, I kind of figured I'd just go with a joke for that one. But anyway. yeah, Fair. <laughs> yeah. Scott, tell us about yours. <laughs> yeah. So so I so the trouble again that I, I came into is because I'm an insane person and decided to write my own Bioshock fanfic and uh, <laughs> create. It's OK. A, we all did it for Star Wars. So I guess that's true. Fair enough. Um, I I had to, uh, you know, there's a lot of mirroring happening because of the infinite universe uh, concept that's introduced in Bioshock Infinite, um, where a lot of things have different names, right? So you have in Rapture, you have uh, uh, plasmids, and in Columbia, you have vigors. And they're the same thing. They're, they're these things like the vigor is something that you drink and uh, the plasmids are something that you inject. Um, but they both do the same thing, which is that they give your left hand special abilities <laughs> that, uh, you know, you so you in the game, you shoot uh, weapons with your right hand and then you shoot like powers with your left hand and that's like flame powers and frost powers and wind powers and uh hypnotizing powers and all kinds of stuff so i had to come up with my own version of that for this park and for for me i decided to settle on uh libations as the mm. name of my uh vigor plasmid type scenario and of course these are alcoholic beverages uh themed to match the abilities so you obviously are going to have a uh, fireball whiskey uh, for the uh, for the incinerate type uh, libation, and you're going to have um, a some sort of like cooling mint drink for the old man winter type uh, power. So lots of uh, alcoholic beverages, and I guess this is an important time to point out that this is not a family park. Right. Uh, uh, my 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 park is uh, specific, very very specifically seventeen or older. If you can't buy the game Bioshock, you cannot come into this park. That's part of the deal. So uh, so yeah, all of these are alcoholic, and I'm sure there could be some mocktail things for people who don't drink. But largely, they will be alcoholic beverages, and then the food, which I would be calling uh, provisions would all be sort of space-themed food, which is like, oh, this is the food that they would eat on posterity in the space colony. And so it's all sort of like – it's like uh, really high-end astronaut food is the, <laughs> is the idea. And the name of this place is called uh, Bevo Solutions. I just wanted to give it like a, like a fun sort of um, you know, retro future-sounding uh, company name. So the, this place is called Bevo Solutions Libations and Provisions. Very cool. And that time period kind of fits too because that's kind of the golden age of cocktails as well. So yeah. you can see uh-huh. – the libations really working well in that setting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into our B, C, D attractions. Brian, what do you got? All right, so my attraction uh, is actually going to be a transportation, uh, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. because you, know, you asked about what my icon is going to be, and I didn't want to kind of give this away too early. Uh, I actually do have an icon, but it's going to be an, like this was a land in an otherwise larger park. Uh, my icon is going to be a lighthouse mm. uh, so you are elsewhere in the park and you are walking toward a lighthouse and you have to enter rapture through the lighthouse mm. uh, so you're walking up you walk up into the lighthouse and you board a bathysphere to rapture my bathysphere is going to be an enclosed ride vehicle uh, it's going to be on a kooka arm but suspended from a track above 
Uh, it's going to be very similar to uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, where there are cir- there's going to be circular projection screens in front of the glass. You are not seeing anything actually around you. You're just seeing the projections. Uh, and it's going to essentially take you to a, the large show building where Rapture actually is. Mm. So you're not. Uh, so from the main part of the park, you're not going to see the large show building. You're just going to see the the lighthouse and then this is going to essentially take you to take you down into rapture even though you're really not even moving down you're just taking a monorail more or less to Mm -hmm. to a show building that's the transportation and a ride exactly think of like the hogwarts express and like that yeah Uh, but there's going to be double paned windows uh, that will fill with water uh to simulate the water level rising up that was inspired Mm -hmm. over uh, by the uh, Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea over at tokyo disney of course of course because that actually that one doesn't go underwater it's really cool right and so you're going to see just like in the uh, start of the first game in bioshock one you are going to descend onto rapture and since it's on a kuka arm you can simulate leftward movement rightward movement because the uh, because the kuka arm can actually move you around without actually moving out of this straightforward path that you're going down Hmm. that's awesome (laughs) that's That's awesome that's all that's all i've ever wanted uh right (laughs) yeah uh what about you kyle before we talk about mine uh are you guys familiar with uh meow wolf I've wanted to go to Meow Wolf so bad. I have no idea what that is. So Meow Wolf is in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it is a artist collective that was funded by George R. R. Martin, who's a person that lives there in the town. You might know some works that he's done. Um, And Meow Wolf is, how do I describe this? It's like a walkthrough themed story driven exhibition where you walk into an old um, bowling alley and you just see a a house and you walk into the house and you start to put together a story about what's going on inside of the house and to kind of spoil a little bit it kind of gets into my attraction here Uh, at one point you open up a refrigerator and there is a glowing stairwell down below and you take that stairwell and all of a sudden you're into a different world. So it's kind of like this artist collective that built a themed attraction. And as soon as we're done with this, you need to look up all the information you can because it's an amazing experience. Uh, And it's, I think kind of what the future of um, some theme park experiences are going to be. They're opening up a few meow wolves around the country. I've had the opportunity to go a couple of times and it's, it's amazing. So I want to take that kind of idea and put it, into a almost uh, escape room style experience. So what I've got here is called Lamb of Columbia, an exhibition. So the idea in the story here is that Comstock has, without telling everyone who uh, Elizabeth is, is kind of showing off her powers. And in the game, Brian, I hope this isn't a spoiler to you, Elizabeth has the ability to open up some tears in reality uh, in time and space and in going to different worlds and stuff like that. Yeah. So the story here or the, the way the ride or the attraction would work is it would be a series of 10 rooms. Uh, you would get randomly generated uh, four different. So you'd have a, a, a be, an opening and an ending. So that's two out of the 10 that are going to be the same. You'd come in the same way and you leave the same way as usual, but the four in between can be mix, mixed up. So it'd be very difficult to get a similar combination of these rooms you have to go through. And the idea is that Elizabeth uh, wants to escape, and this is her first attempt. You never see her, but she is in, she's somewhere on the premises, but she's starting to open up tears in reality 
within these different rooms that you have to go through. So you might go in through the main entrance where uh, Comstock comes on and tells you we're about to show you this uh, new scientific uh, anomaly that we've encountered through you know whatever means. And uh, he'll probably, you know, give the uh, George Washington the credit or something like that. Uh, And you would then Elizabeth would come over and say, hey, uh, I'm actually trying to get you out of here. Please, you know, into this next room, a door would open. And then all of a sudden you find yourself like maybe in Egypt or something like that in a different time. And then it would be up to the guests to try to get out of that room and into another one that you know you don't know where you are. It's kind of more of like a mini escape room type thing. Not really work, working on like math problems, or maybe some sort of like simple technique, a clue given in the room, maybe a few different doors would open up into another one. So the idea is you go through four different rooms. It could be a different uh, series of these rooms out of the total of eight that you could interchange to get to the last one. So what I'm thinking of here is like a walkthrough escape room style experience where each of these rooms could be something completely different. Uh, one could take you to rapture. Mm-hmm. One could take you to posterity. Uh, it's just whatever uh, cool experience you could come up with. So um, yeah, walkthrough experience called Lamb of Columbia. So here's That's the funny cool. thing. Uh, yeah. You were you were saying that this is inspired by Meow Wolf. I, yeah. As I was playing through, uh, playing Bioshock, I thought... <laughs> I would love a sleep no more style experience, but set in rapture. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm curious if, I mean, I'm sure Sleep No More probably was actually inspired by Bioshock in some ways because masks like the splicers used in Bioshock kind of like, a, or those are represented in Sleep No More, right? There's something kind of going on like that? Yeah, I think they probably came around about the same time. Oh, okay. Sleep No More has okay. been running for a long time. So oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, so I almost I, I almost pitched that for <laughs> um, for my Rapture Park. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad I went with something different here. But. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in a way, right? I mean, you could because your Rapture is in it is its own area that you have to, like, get in line to get into. There's no one saying that it can't be an attraction in and of itself. Right. You know, so you could still have, you know, actors and things like that, uh, cast members acting out, you know, themselves as rapture um, citizens yeah, uh, and telling a story through that, uh, you know, the way that we were promised Galaxy's Edge was going to be. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, because my attraction, um, I do have a main attraction, but before I get to that attraction, I will say that in a way, the whole park is an attraction of itself because it's all world building, right? And like everything in this, in this park is meant to be world building. And there's going to be a, uh, a Disney play type app that you can get on your phone where you can find audio files throughout the park and play the audio files and learn more about, you know, the history of this place and what the intent, the original intentions for it were all sort of hinting toward my, my e-ticket attraction. But the attraction that I'm going to be talking about specifically is a ride that I don't quite have a, uh, a, a, a title for, but the idea is that it's going to be sort of a carousel of progress horizons type ride um, that is about the history uh, and legacy of William Deckard um, leading to what the intention for posterity was going to be. And so you have like scenes of William Deckard's uh, futurist ideals. Uh, you meet his partner, Robert Lutis or Lutis, uh, who, of course, is a character in Bioshock Infinite. However, 
the the character in Bioshock Infinite is an alternate universe version of Rosalind Lutis, who is the main uh, scientist character of Columbia. And so we never find out where Robert Lutis is actually from. And so in my mind, he is from this world. And so Robert Lutis is the person who was involved in helping William Deckard come up with a lot of the concepts behind his uh, space colony. We get to so we get to see the space co- the space uh, colony posterity as it was intended. You know, it's this space colony on like a on like a moon or or an asteroid or something, and it's you know like uh, like those like bubble cities that you used to see in in retro future stuff where it's like skyscrapers under giant bubbles. Um, right. And Jetsons. Uh, yeah, right, kind of like well, the Jetsons are on Earth technically, aren't they? Yes, high above Earth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um right right above uh, bedrock, right? Isn't that the isn't that yeah, how sure. that's the story? <laughs> um but uh the the attraction is starring the nuclear family. The nuclear family is a set of animatronics. Um and this is again continuing my sort of um compare contrast alternate universe take on certain aspects of other Bioshock games in Bioshock, you have the little sisters and the big daddy. In Columbia, you have Patriots, Handymen, and the Songbird. And in Posterity, you have a nuclear family of animatronics that are called Cindy's, Danny's, Betty's, and Arthur's. And uh, they are uh, Cindy's are animatronic little girls, Danny's are animatronic little boys, and Betty's and Arthur's are mom and dad. Um, and so the idea is that we're sort of, once we go through the history of of uh, this man and we start meeting the nuclear family, we're meeting them as they go to uh, the space colony posterity and we sort of see what their life is intended to be like on, uh, on this space colony. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And I like that interactive aspect of uh, finding the, uh, the audio logs around kind of gives people a reason to go around and explore everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than just skip right to the e-ticket. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's talk e-tickets. Brian, what do you got? Okay, so uh, my, my ride is called Rise of Atlas. Uh, cool. So in this ride, uh, you're going to be uh, – you are training to help Atlas overthrow Ryan. Okay. I'm envisioning this ride to be similar to what we are envisioning for the upcoming Spider-Man ride at California Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so riders will be t- testing different plasmids in a virtual target practice-style game. Uh, so with just like with Spider-Man, you know – be able to reach out your hand, but instead of you know, web slinging, you are using your plasmids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are going to be physical sets, but with projection mapping and pyrotechnic effects to create the effects that you are coming out of your hand and things like that. Mm-hmm. Throughout this, you're going, you go through and you test three or four different types of plasmids. Mm-hmm. Eventually, riders are going to be told uh, by Atlas that he is going to inject them with incinerate plasmids. Uh, he believes, though, that they are ready for a more practical application. So the ride vehicle is going to take riders out of the testing facility down a hall to the Cashmere restaurant. Not the Cashmere restaurant that people are actually dining in. This is going to be another part of a building you know, just for the ride. Atlas uh, Fontaine is going to tell the subjects that the restaurant is currently hosting a New Year's Eve party and that it has been rigged with explosives. Oh. Uh, it's going to be a, physical, uh, a huge physical set recreation of 
that's going to look identical to the restaurant that is actually in the park. Uh, it's alive with animatronic patrons or sipping cocktails, waiting to ring in the new year. When you arrive in the restaurant, Fontaine will say, which you kindly aim toward the explosives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the restaurant is going to explode with practical fire and pyrotechnics. The riders will evacuate and uh, he thanks the test subjects for a job well done. <laughs> So in a way, are you starting off the civil war through this? Yes, exactly. Uh, That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I was a, I was a little worried about you know having my restaurant set in the in the restaurant that you explode <laughs> in the ride, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's cool. I mean, uh, for repeat guests, that'll be like, which one am I in? Am I in the ride or am I in the restaurant itself? And right. They'll be nervous while they're eating the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, what about you, Kyle? Okay, so mine is called Labor Negotiations. Uh, <laughs> so I think we might have actually encountered uh, some crossover in what's going on, Brian. I, I know we've talked about this every time we do the show. Like, what if we choose the same thing? Because we don't talk about this beforehand. But I think we have a little bit of crossover here. I thought we'd okay. avoided it this time. I was like, I, I was kind of amazed that we avoided it, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things I love the most about Bioshock Infinite, and I, I do enjoy a story in a shooter, but I'm kind of looking for a visceral uh, experience, mm-hmm. visceral experience when I'm playing the game, which Titanfall 2 is probably my favorite uh, shooter of all time because of that with the wall running and everything. And I felt that one aspect of Infinite that was so great was this skyline system that's in the game. Oh, yeah. And for the listeners who don't know, this is like a uh, rail system in Columbia that's used to ship things around. And as the player, you have a device that you hook onto this and you can fly around and shoot stuff and enemies can use it to come after you at the same time. So I was like, well, that's a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. That'd be perfect for a roller coaster, uh, especially an overhead roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So labor negotiations uh, is kind of an idea that explores uh, free will. Uh, from Bioshock Infinite, and it is a combination overhead roller coaster slash shooting gallery, which Brian kind of comes into what you were talking about earlier, too. <laughs> um, so the idea is that you are given both a plasmid to choose, you can just choose one, and uh, there is a gun affixed to your ride vehicle. So this is kind of like um, in the, uh, not Hogwarts Bank, excuse me, what's what's the name of the bank in the in the Harry Potter world? Uh, Gringotts. Thank you. Gringotts Bank, how that ride kind of slows down and speeds up as it goes along so you can experience different 3D uh, sections. This is going to do the same thing for the shooting sections. So you might have a little bit where it's a roller coaster overhead and then you'll stop and start shooting. And where I said free will comes into play, this happens during the Vox Populi revolution that happens in Colombia. So you'll fly up, you'll go along to a scene and the Vox Populi will be fighting the military force in Colombia. And you get to choose who you shoot. And depending on who you shoot, uh, you kind of rack up a point that uh, will uh, generate a different ending to the ride. So depending on how many people in the ride decide to shoot uh, the workers or the police, you'll get a different uh, kind of ending. Mm. So the ride would go through five different sections. Uh, Monument Island, uh, where Elizabeth is, uh, and you will first see Elizabeth, and then Battleship Bay. Uh, it's going to coaster around the monument itself. Then we're going to hit over to the factory. Uh, I think it's, uh, is it Fink's factory, I believe, in the game? Mm-hmm. Uh, where the workers start to riot. Uh, that is going to be a roller coaster portion. And then you get into the shanty town where the police are raiding the Vox Populi. Uh, then the third section is going to be downtown Emporia. Again, roller coaster portion there. Uh, and then we're going to get to a finale, which is going to be a battle between uh, dirigibles in 
the sky. So you're going to be flying along between these two blimps, shooting at each other, deciding are you going to shoot the Vox Populi or the military forces here. And then the fifth and final section is going to be the actual lighthouse itself. So it's going to end with a giant loop around the lighthouse uh, where Elizabeth is opening up different portals. And depending on how you choose you chose to shoot in the game if you chose to shoot the military forces or the vox populi you'll get a different ending uh kind of like what is featured in the game itself i don't want to give any spoilers away but it flash forwards to a future which you might get if you decide to shoot just the military so yeah that is it that is labor negotiations <laughs> of columbia <laughs> wow that's uh yeah that's really cool you know i think that the 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 skyline coaster i mean that's just such an obvious thing that um yeah, yeah. we were we we were bound to think of uh of of something similar uh Kyle but uh <laughs> i think that i think that you know we're getting to to my e-ticket attraction which is an e-ticket attraction that can literally not exist it's mm. it's so uh expansive that if this ever existed it would be uh, just like the most insane ride ever created so <laughs> and they wouldn't and they wouldn't spend that much money on the 17 and up park no no i don't think they would <laughs> i don't think they would but um this e-ticket ride is called bioshock cosmic and the entrance is in the lighthouse in this at the center of the park and the lighthouse, as I explained, it has that sort of googie architecture. And what it is vaguely shaped like is a rocket. And that's because it is one. Ooh. So uh, you get into it and you are sent into space to visit the real posterity space colony that was actually built. And that William Deckard had actually like while you're you're getting all this information on William Deckard, one of the things that you find out is that he disappeared. At, at some point and no one knows where he went and it turns out that he left to found uh the real posterity and so um you get into this lighthouse rocket and you are sent into space and this is a i'm i'm picturing a similar effect to the stretching room except that you're so you're lowering in an elevator but the there there are screens around you that are uh, simulating that you're going up and so it's it's going to give you this weird effect where even though you are lowering it feels like you are you know shooting up into space and heading to wherever posterity is and so this is just a standing room this is sort of a kind of like the area in rise of the resistance where you are standing in that motion simulator it it's that kind of thing where it's like you don't need to be strapped in or anything it's not an extreme ride um it's just uh getting you to the next portion um which is going to be down below what the rest of the park is so when you get there posterity is in ruins and what you find out is that during the process of posterity being open the 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 animatronics the nuclear family basically took over the oh. nuclear family and there's like different you know there's obviously multiples of them and they were sort of working in the uh in in posterity they were doing sort of like grunt work around posterity there's also the big daddy equivalent in this world are these uh big like you know lunky robots called uh, alphas and omegas 
And uh, so you have those things running around as well. And what you find out is that there's become there's basically a civil war and posterity between human survivors who call themselves Luddites and then the Tronics, which are the animatronics. And so you're stuck between you're stuck in this in this world. And this is around where you meet the third Lutis sibling, Roxy Lutis. And she wants to stop her siblings from playing with tears and playing with alternate universes, because what you find out is that Robert Lutis actually stole all of the technology in this retro future area from another universe and was bringing it to William Deckard. And so... His futurist ideals really didn't uh, amount to anything because there was no progress. They were just stealing progress from others. They all got technology that they didn't understand, which is what led to the Tronics sort of taking over posterity because they didn't really understand AI. They were just like, oh, yeah, they're robots and they mistreated them as essentially slaves. Um, and then we get uh, an uprising as a result because these Luddites don't understand how uh, artificial intelligence works. And so Roxy is basically saying like, look, my alternate universe versions of myself really screwed up all of this. And they keep <laughs> screwing it up in every universe. And uh, like, I'm the only one who wants to stop it. And so, you know, I need your help to stop it. And so this becomes a multi-ride experience, which is, you know, the flavor of the day, but also I think worthwhile for a satisfying story at this level. And so what you start out with is a trackless dark ride experience on posterity where we're sort of uh, moving through posterity and the Luddites versus Tronics kind of revolution that's happening. And then the Luti siblings show up and Roxy has to use, she has a technology that can open tears and she opens a tear to Columbia. So this is the point in the ride where, you know, you came here for a Bioshock park and you, and I give you a park where, it's all this stuff that is vaguely recognizable as Bioshock, but isn't any of the iconography from the games that you recognize, right? And and so this is the point of which where I reveal that my e-ticket attraction is essentially a series of other theme parks. And so, <laughs> so you have this trackless dark ride experience through posterity that ends with going through a tear into Columbia. And then you get out and you can walk around Columbia and there's restaurants and there's shopping. And it's like a little mini main street area of just Columbia. And then there is a multi-launch coaster via the skyline, just like you have, Kyle, that continues the story of the uh, Bioshock Cosmic, the first part of the ride. Um, so you continue into part two of the ride, which then ends with a, another tear being open and you take a drop ride into Rapture. And so oh, okay. you drop into Rapture. And as you're dropping, of course, you pass the Rapture Lighthouse and go underwater into a motion simulator that, again, very similar to what Brian was describing. And then you get out in Rapture and you can walk around Rapture as well, very similarly to uh, Columbia. Now, these little theme parks, these are these are smaller is what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning like like a like a space sort of like um I don't know, maybe uh, the beginning of like Adventureland, you know, not a large area, right? Large enough that you can walk around and there's gift shops and there's things like that. But it's it's not like they're not like these massive theme park areas. It's not um, insane. But the right. idea is that all of these areas are hidden from view. And I'm picturing Columbia to be behind 
where the uh, the the rocket lighthouse is because I'm envisioning this rocket lighthouse to sort of have like a, some sort of design background design behind it that like kind of looks like sun rays, you know, sort of coming off of it the way that a lot of like that 60s retro future stuff has. And it's like this giant mm-hmm. thing. And what it is, is it's basically a background that's covering where Columbia is, which is right behind it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so Columbia is back there. One of the things in Columbia that I wanted to make sure that I did is there's this amazing area where there's like a rail. And when you walk up to it, there you're in a dome IMAX screen that sort of blends into the top of the sky. And it's sort of weather dependent, sort of like the water tank in the Jurassic World ride is sort of like it mm-hmm. changes with the weather and the time of day and everything. And so it sort of disappears into the sky. But if you look over, there's like fans that are blowing wind up at you and you can see like just sky underneath you. Uh Um, And it's like really cool. And the idea is that each of these sections of the park is like a perfect sort of Instagram thing of like, oh, look, I'm in Columbia. Now I'm in Rapture. (laughs) Um, So when you get into Rapture, uh, obviously, this is all underground posterity and columbia so you're walking around rapture and you're 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 you know doing your gift shop thing or whatever and then when you're ready to go you get on the rapture ride which is uh, essentially a boat ride and the idea is that um you are going on a on a boat ride that is similar to you know it, it comes it starts off similar to like a small world or uh pirates type thing but it's really more of like a jurassic park river adventure concept but you're in a flooded area of rapture where you are um, trying to finish your mission for Roxy. And this is where you get the sort of coup de grace of the whole con- e-ticket concept, which is this is where you get your first interaction with a little sister and a big daddy. Um, a giant hmm. big daddy animatronic just comes for your boat. And this is where it turns from a easygoing ride into like an extreme e-ticket like water coaster. And Hmm. so you go through the water coaster and then you go through another tear, which uh, brings you back to the posterity theme park. And Roxy uh, thanks you for your help because she can close those tears forever now. And those worlds can just be forgotten. But the, the theme park stays behind because you know, it's a, it's, it will always be there as like a, a memory of what could have been. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I, I had, Originally, I was thinking about doing a doing something with the tears, but I didn't know the 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 world well enough to really pull that off. And so I'm I'm glad glad I left it to you. <laughs> well, that's one of the great things about the tears is you can do pretty much anything with it that you want. Yeah. you know, so it's uh, just up to the imagination of the whoever's building these rides. Okay, what do I want to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, that's uh, that's very ambitious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. I, I'm an insane yeah. person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, this insane person here would love to experience it, too. So. Do you have four theme park money, Scott? Uh, I wish I did, <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. Yeah, I, I went ahead and just built four theme parks. I mean, that's... I want to say that's a bit of a cheat, but I'll allow it. Yeah, I mean, because my, my thought process was just like, look, I knew that I wanted to create my own thing i wanted this to be mm-hmm. a sequel to both of those and and incorporate both of them but then it's like really like look I, if i'm going to a bioshock theme park and i don't see a giant animatronic big daddy 
I'm calling foul. Yeah. Right. So so I had to build all of this out of there. Like, I want to see Rapture. I want to see Columbia. But also, I wanted to make mm-hmm. my own thing. So uh, did, could you say that I, I, I had my trash cake and ate it, too? Yeah. Yes, possibly. <laughs> possibly. Uh, I, I'd say that's probably an accurate statement. But, um, you know, if we're talking about our dream theme park, uh, this is certainly mine. Yeah. I would visit it for sure, you know? It's I, I while you were talking about that I had to look up some gooey architecture tour and I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that. Well that would be awesome yeah. to experience that kind of thing in a Bioshock world. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, what was the name of the theme park? Posterity. Whenever you're talking about it, all I can imagine is the World of Future Fair from Batman Mask of the Phantasm. That is uh, a huge inspiration on this. Yes. Absolutely. And I think I want to go watch that like right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, the mom specifically is, um, like I was thinking about that scene with the Joker where she's like, you know, chopping stuff or whatever. And, uh, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that would be cool to incorporate. And then that evolved into the, the nuclear family of, uh, Cindy's, Danny's, Betty's and Arthur's. So. Right. That's Mm -hmm. cool. I like that a lot. Thank you. I'll give you all of my millions of dollars now. <laughs> well, or billions probably. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh this is uh expensive. I, I as far as like where this would be located, I assume this would have to be located. I I think this would be a universal thing. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think I think if I'm not mistaken, Universal actually owns the film rights to uh BioShock. They were going to make a movie <laughs> In like 2011, that was written by John Logan of um, uh, he did uh, Penny Dreadful, yeah, yeah. among other like things. Gore Verbinski was going to direct, right? Yeah, Gore Verbinski was going to direct, but it was just too expensive uh, yeah. of a of a film to be rated R. Um, that was their big that was their big thing. They so they got cold feet. I think like literally six weeks before it was going to be put in front of cameras, they were like sets built, wow. sets and props mm. and all kinds of stuff built. Um, because Gore Verbinski being who he is, uh, he wanted to do a majority of it very practically, mm-hmm. uh, cause he thought that it would sell the world more. And it just, I think the, I think the budget was somewhere between 160 and $200 million, Jeez. which is a lot of money for an R rated film. Um, yes it is. Yeah. What, what could have been Johnny Depp's adventures through rapture? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, actually I'm pretty sure it was going to be Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that was the rumor. Or was it? Oh, okay. Well, it, it kind of begs the point that like something like this for Bioshock, some sort of physical thing should exist in yeah. the world, be it a movie or a theme park. It's it's a game that is really relies heavy on atmosphere and theme over, I think, just about anything else. And it's like it's just a shame that we don't have that in, in flesh and blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Epic Universe, if you're looking for an expansion um, in the coming <laughs> years, look me up. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I'd be on board yeah. for that. So anyway. All right. Well, I guess that's our Bioshock episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another one of these. In the meantime, if uh, you are interested in uh, supporting us on Patreon, that's duelinggenre.com slash support. You can uh, go there and uh, support us at uh, the $3 level or higher, and you'll get access to our uh, bonus content that we put up there. Um, it's about, I, w- I would say it's probably about, uh, averages at about like twice a month. Um, we have our fast pass episodes, which are basically about theme park news or rumors. Um, and it's just us talking through them, whatever they happen to be. And then of course, uh, there's our, uh, sister podcast, uh, retheme this where we take an existing attraction 
and re-theme it to uh, something more modern or just, you know, something else in general. Our first episode of which was, of course, uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Orlando. And uh, we did release that on the main feed. So uh, if you heard that, then you know what we're talking about. Um, so look for more of those on our Patreon feed. That's duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, go there, help us out. We really appreciate everyone who does that. And in the meantime, uh, I don't know, go join our Facebook group and join in the conversation over there. Uh, that's the theme park, this listener society or something like that. Listener group. Uh, it's a uh, theme park. This listeners. Okay. Exclamation point. So, yeah. yeah. Facebook.com slash group slash theme park. This. Okay, cool. So go there and uh, join in our community there. And of course, follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff. But in any event, uh, we'll see you back uh, in two weeks with another one of these. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.